like I need a cigar mm. in my hand. Oh, if only you could still smoke in the... Are you, um, do you smoke actually? Uh, I try not to. <laughs> but yes, but it's I such a, uh, I feel like uh, the film industry is the last bastion for smokers. I definitely smoke on film shoots. Yeah. But I was the only, I was basically the only person still smoking on that set. But I, I, I could get away with it, I think, I because... All right, yeah, ciao. That's fine. Um, I embraced I fully embraced it during the shoot that's good especially if you're the only person as a director but you could you actually can't smoke on sets and the Hmm? originess you can't smoke on the set and the originess person will like I can't just sort of stand there no 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 you have to walk away I have to walk away which is kind of good because I I could kind of get away with a few things I think right yeah yeah but walking away I mean like and you're smoking and you're doing real smoke or only person smoking on set it means you can think for a second. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm going to go take a cigarette and yeah, just go I off wanna, and think. I have, and you have a bit of purpose or something. Uh, your film, Petrol, I've found it to be uh, very interesting. Um, I think, if I can kind of just put this out front, um, it's uh, part of a kind of developing canon here. Uh, I guess what you call Australian cinema, which kind of feels odd to say because that has so many different connotations. Um, but this kind of new cinema of our kind of local scene here. Um, uh, and I f- very much have put your film in that. Actually, at the uh, BFI last year, they had a uh, new program or uh, on Australian films, kind of trying to uh, get the word out, I guess, about new Australian cinema. I think they might have been even called New Australian Cinema or Crikey Mate or some weird <laughs> thing like that. Um uh, but I think personally they did it too early. They needed to wait just another five-ish years so films like yours could be included within that kind of program. And I hope they do it again in five-ish years or something like that. Um, but much different from the interview we just did on uh, live, I kind of want this interview to be more for you, if that makes sense. Kind of um, uh, like a uh, storage box of um, your current experience of promoting this film and talking about it so often because you have been talking about it quite a bit so let's just start there how it's been these last uh two this last month really let's start in the last month well yeah i mean the film has been uh traveling since august 2022 right yeah um so yeah i suppose on and off i keep having to kind of into that promotional uh, headspace and um, keep repeating the same things over and over again about the film as, as one does. Mm. Uh, but the past month actually has been really ex- like particularly exciting mm. um, because, uh, well, firstly, we went to New York and um, 
showed the films at film the showed the film at Film Lincoln Center in MoMA mm. as part of the new director's new films festival there, and that was really uh, invigorating because yeah. it's such a it's a quite the beautiful, company. Yeah, it's a beautiful festival, and they really take care of you. And yeah, we were just um, felt like it's the best way to kind of reconnect with, um, yeah, showing the film, sharing the film with audiences ahead of our Australian release. Mm-hmm. So it was really nice timing. And then, yes, as soon as I got back, it was straight into um, yeah, going to Canberra and right. coming here. And and now I'm doing a full-on tour mm. uh, around the country. And yeah. it's, it's just a real joy, I have to say. It's just sheer joy to be doing this. I was a little bit trepidatious to see how, how it would go, but it's I've just enjoyed it right um i i I really like doing the q a sessions personally i like taking questions from audiences even if they're a bit left of center Mm. or um you know it's nice to grapple with people's um ideas and Mm. concerns and whatever yes it's shown on um three different continents now yes yes because we showed Four. Four. Yeah, because it showed in Europe, mm. um, the States, mm-hmm. Australia, mm-hmm. and North Africa. Oh, excellent. In Morocco. Oh, cool. At the Marrakesh Film Festival. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, yeah. You, um, at least special. Uh, 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 any standout particular screen from that? I mean, I'm just curious in, in terms of the uh, audience um the differences in audiences, if there are even differences in audiences these days. Yeah, know? I mean, there are. Like, it's it's amazing to see. that, And that's when you're reminded how important it is to be um, showing films in the cinemas and going to see films in the cinemas because it is a really special experience. Um, and I think, you know, a delight, really, to uh, see such a strange and magical thing as a film with other people in that kind of shared um, sacred space of mm. the, the cinema. Mm. Um, and every time it's really different. I mean, I, of course, I don't really stay for the screenings anymore because I can't keep watching yeah, the film I, again and again. No one would it's expect just, you to. That'd it's be... just nuts. Um, so, you know, but I normally walk in and kind of, especially if I'm doing Q&A and then I'll come back and, uh, and then I get the reports from the people who were there. Mm. And... Um, yeah, it is really different, and I think that every time with the in the Q and A's, it's interesting because people, and also because it's a really open film, so it's really uh, inviting the viewer to be an interpreter and to be creative mm. in the process. Uh, and I, I think you people pick up on different things; they have different. Um, relation they, they work out a different relationship with the film every time and mm. it seems like yeah there's a collective kind of uh influence um but i the, probably the screenings that have been most like different to everywhere else are the melbourne screenings because right. i think that in melbourne people have a different um relationship with the film because it's so raw mm. and familiar. Yes. And I think that people uh, kind of bring themselves more into the screenings, which yes. has been really interesting. Right. Um, 
uh, so yeah, I think it's 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 more charged. Whether yeah. I think elsewhere, it's like this is a film, and it, or like when Marrakesh, people loved like they were coming up to me afterwards, and they were like, I just loved seeing what it's like in Australia. Right, you right. Know, that's that yeah. kind of added. Yeah, I mean that's always kind of been a, one of the great feelings about films, world cinema. Um, is seeing other places, even though if it's not even actually like that, kind of just being like, oh, this is a, a, a real place. Melbourne's a real place if I was from Marrakesh. Yeah, exactly. I'm from and they're Sydney like, what and, the hell um, is that? I've Sydney never... <laughs> people don't think Melbourne's a real place still. Yeah, you get the real head trip of... Yeah, pretty much of, of kind of spectating another, say, city, place, that sort of thing. Mysterious other place. Yeah, yeah. And... um. I'm also very curious about that New Yorker article that uh, uh, Richard Brody did a write-up on it. Um, I'm a big Richard Brody reader myself, actually, because I guess I'm pretentious. But um, did you get to meet him, actually? No. You know what? Um, people, a few people who kind of know him had said that um, he's not out much. I think he got a bit, uh, he's quite kind of sensitive about COVID stuff. Oh, really? Or, you know that. Yeah, he's kind of stopped going to the screenings, um, and apparently he's been noted to say that he is actually not such a uh, must see to the cinema guy. I think he's quite happy watching films at home. Right. And I think he's been known to say that that it's he's not going to be devastated if he doesn't see another film in the cinema or something like that. Oh really? Yeah, quite unusual. But I'm glad to hear you. I I like. Brody as well, but but I know he's a very divisive critic. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's very erratic and emotional, and but to me that's great because it's, it's he's always fun to mm. read, even if you don't always agree with him. It's yes. just great to see someone having such a personal relationship with um, films yeah, and yeah. kind of let it out a bit and be a bit vulnerable. Yes, I think it's good that his kind of persona is you don't actually know what he will say. Mm. Um, I write film criticism as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like if anyone has ever read my film criticism, you always know what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, much better at the filmmaking than the writing of it, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, f- what I really like about um, uh, Brody's work and why I'm glad he uh, uh, wrote about your film is because I think he's a real advocate of um, uh, really delving into and trying to think what is cinema and also thinking how can the cinematic language be expanded. Um, I asked you on air about kind of uh, having your own um, uh, visual language aesthetic, um, uh, which it's a very playful film, actually. You kind of um, are really thinking quite vastly about how can this be depicted? How can I express this without saying this? How can I say this without showing it? I mean, I have this idea that um, cinema is something that happens within someone's mind, you know, kind of the film, especially in a theater, the film is in conversation with whatever you brought into the cinema, your life and the things you know. Um, and you're kind of, do you, do, you, do, you, do you think you're trying to kind of, there's an element of, there's a film in your film that is not shown, if that makes sense. That's such a nice way of putting it. Thank you. I'm really glad uh, to hear you use the word playful because that's, yeah, it was very much how I see it and uh, part of the intent. Um, 
you know, and I think the film is also uh, probably a bit slower paced than an average film. And I think sometimes people feel like that's, you know, cold or, right. um, I don't know, uh, pretentious or whatever. But I, I you it's know, I think it's a really, it's considered and um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a playful film. It kind of puts a lot of ideas on the table um, and kind of asks you, the the viewer, to be like, make of it what you will. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess my intent was to create a mosaic of ideas and try and find connections between the ideas that, um, you know, weren't necessarily cause and effect narrative. And I think that's another kind of... Uh, experiment in the film is it's uh trying to build narrative through montage and mm. uh you know i i always say this in um q a's and interviews that i was kind of inspired by the uh surrealists uh not not just well the film is often referred to as a surrealist kind of film but i think that it's not just in the imagery or the kind of dream use of dreams it's uh, actually, the the collage, mm, yes. the surrealist collage, and I was quite actively inspired by that, and I still still think it's great. You know, yes. it's a great tool to when you're. I hope uh, you continue to, to. Yeah, it's really uh, it, that's something that really excites me, and even when um, I'm coming up with the idea for the film, I try to kind of just have all these bits and pieces and keep rotating them mm. like Rubik's cube to see how they can fit in in interesting ways. Um, and I think that, you know, you can do that if you've got a, st like, it's not a story where you need to get from A to B. You can yes. kind of veer in different directions mm. and have fun with association. That's, yeah. I guess, another surrealist um, word. Yeah, association and connections and um, kind of mapping out the world visually. Mm. How long were you um, uh, sitting on this idea for before you made it? Because uh, 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 Strange Colors came out 2015, was it? It was actually 2017. 2017. 17. 2017. We made I, it. We, we um, started pre-production in 2016. Right, right. So the script was kind of written in 2016. And then, yeah, we shot in 2017 and yeah. released it then as well. Yes. Um, but I had the idea for this film... Before Strange Colors, actually, it was oh, not right. w at all what it ended up being, but the kind of seed of the idea was probably in diaries. I had a a um, word document with notes that I started on my in my uh, on on my computer, and I called it Petrol, and mm. the name stuck. Um, but that was probably from like yeah, I don't know, two thousand and fifteen. Our names of is naming the film something very important to you. I find it one of the most paramount things for me personally. Wow, yeah, it's, um, I really struggle. I was really, I just kind of stuck with this name because mm. there was a point uh, before we were releasing the film where, you know, the, the producers and kind of consultants and everyone, the team was a bit concerned like about the name they're like can we actually do this because it's right. just you know every time you do a Q&A someone will ask people are going to be really confused about it because um, it's not really what the film's about or what it's not really in the film um, 
and we had a big brainstorm. You mm. know, I, I heard everyone. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah maybe this, this is a bit too, too much, um, yes. too lateral. Uh, and we had this big brainstorm and then just, it was just so painful. Yeah. And we were coming up I with worse be. names <laughs> and just really embarrassing Do you remember names. any of them? Um, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. It's just going to... There were just some really terrible right. names. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and then finally, so I stuck with that. But I do like... If you if you've got a name you really like, that's really nice. Yes. And I think you you need to stand for it. Yeah, I keep a document of possible names. Yeah, I do that as well yeah. now because yeah. it's tough. It's it's hard to come up with it when you're in the middle of it. Mm, in the middle when and when you've already kind of written that happened with strange colors because yeah, we didn't right. have Strange colors is a good one though. Oh good. Okay, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, because we were just another list of terrible names. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, document is is, is preferable. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I had the idea, but then I started working on the script for uh, Petrol, like properly in 2018, mm. but I didn't have a script until like 2020 or something. So it took right. me ages just kind of... Is that your usual process? Down. Slow and steady? Pretty slow. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty slow. I mean, slow. the best uh, script writing advice I've ever heard is um, and I forget who says it, but either write it in two weeks or two years or something like that. Ah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely more two years. Right. Probably. Yeah. I, I think that the, you come up with the idea. Mm. I I think it was Warwick Thornton I once heard about him talking about his process that he kind of nurtures an idea for years, but then yeah. writes it quickly. Yes, I I'm the same, personally. To that. Yeah. Mostly because I don't one time to reevaluate what I just wrote. Mm. Just want to mm. have it finished and be like, oh, it's done. Yeah. I did it in two months or whatever. I feel like I often feel like this film is already there and the work that I'm doing in writing the script is just sort of like finding out what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I find personally a conversation to be very important for that myself. Mm. Uh, I don't, you don't storyboard, do you? No, I don't do that anymore. Oh, uh, you used to? Uh, I think, yeah, when I was like a student, I did a bit of it. Right, right, right. Yes. it's not actually for me. Yeah, no, I have no idea how it actually works, frankly. I've tried, when I was in film school as well, tried, attempted it. It's useless. Um, I prefer to just talk about the idea with someone mm -hmm. and then, oh, because I have to now articulate what the idea is mm -hmm. to this person. I discover what it is for me as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in that process. Um, enough about me though. Uh, <laughs> no, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, how has, well, uh, I kind of wanted to get to where do you think the film will live kind of going past its screenings? Cause I really hope more people get to go see it in, in cinemas. And, oh, and well, this is a good chance to announce the fact that, um, so the film was, um, funded by Screen Australia's, uh, film, sorry, Vic Screen, they're now called um, yes. MIF Premier Fund and SBS On Demand. Oh, so yeah, cool. it is going to SBS On Demand as um, as part of the SBS deal. On Demand is very funky. It's great. Yeah. I, I think SBS On Demand are so, it's such a great good, resource good. in Australia. They have yeah. really good, they have some Selections. real gems. Yeah, they it's do. It's quite a diverse program. Unusual. It's fantastic. Unusual. For a streamer here. Uh, unusual. It's not yeah, even it's really a streamer. It's a bit... 
it's somewhere in between broadcast and stream. Yeah, right? it's fantastic. So I'm honored. Well, they 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 have um, strange, strange colors, colors yes. which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and it's just you know broadened our reach to all kinds of audiences. Right. And so yeah, it's a it's a great honor to um, have petrol stream there in July. So July. For those of oh, you, that's so s- wonderfully soon. It's wonderfully soon. So the for, for those um, people who can't make it to the screenings, and we do encourage them to come to the screenings. Yeah. But there'll be um, a chance to watch it stream it at home. But um, I do really hope that the film kind of. I feel like I personally feel like it's the film that kind of will um, is a developed taste. Right. So I I really hope that um, there's like a bit of word of mouth and people can kind of yeah, talk about it. And I think so. I it hope can so build a following. I'm doing my half at least. Yes, um, I I love it. Yeah. No, I, I um at the end of the Golden Age screening last Friday, there's some guys. So I like, oh, what do you guys think about it? Like, oh, I need to think about it some more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to sit, let it sit. Let it and, sit. Yeah. And and kind of. Stew. But we need Just more uh, 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 films like that here, don't you agree? <laughs> I, what What do you think of um, what's going on here in cinema at the moment? You think uh, it's now a good time to be a filmmaker? Oh, it's such a hard one because it's so hard to see, um, you know, from your own vantage point what the kind of context is, and it's not really for the filmmakers as well not really. to, to make that judgment. But of course, you know, people, it, it's kind of amazing to see. Um, you always hear, you know, like all the kind of whenever somebody brands a wave and then you hear from the filmmakers and they're like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> We're a wave now? Like, we just like went to uni together and like made a bunch of films. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess that's that's how it is. Like, I guess I feel like the when people are talking about the wave, uh, I mean, it's hard with Australia because the new Australian new wave is the 80s. Yes, we don't really have a wave here. So it's not, I don't know what these, it is. These, wa- these terms are kind of outdated as well. I think so that right. there is, I feel like the filmmakers I know um, who are working today in the kind of independent space, um, my my main observation is that I, I think that there is, you know, a real thirst um, with, you know, yeah, filmmakers like myself and James Vaughan and David Steele mm. and Alison Chorn or... Whoever else, um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm always, pa- I, I hate naming this thing because I, f- I feel like I'm gonna leave someone out and. You're fine. I mean, you can add people. Um, we'll, uh, I love, I love, we'll, uh, we'll know, AI your voice support. and add in anyone you want. But, but I guess I think that the there's a thirst to kind of be part of international dialogue and the kind of film we grew up probably. Um, educated by film festivals going to film festivals mm. and looking to um a mix of you know european asian and african filmmaking like different mm. influences that aren't all american i feel like maybe in the past it was more kind of people wanted to follow the american yes. model and the american genres and things like that in the moment i think i think there's maybe more international exchange and i think that also has something to do with the fact that we were one of the first generations that could download movies yes yes and so we watched a bunch of films that you know maybe weren't shown widely Mm. and i think yeah 
that's so I, that's the only kind of things that I mean I, I, who knows if that's even true but I, I would observe that yes I mean it's way too soon for any of us to actually say because we're in the middle of whatever is going on and we won't know yeah, until exactly. like 50 years past I mean what do you think about all this how um, you're, you're, you you guys are like the next generation now yeah I mean I mean you're uh, Gen Z right because I'm, uh, millenn- I'm millennial well these are marketing terms <laughs> so uh, I'm Gen nothing and so are you in a way um, we're just people who like films I yeah. guess in the end but um, I just feel uh um, spirits. Yes, I mean I just feel as if there's a, a coming together of scenes, uh, like an atom, basically, or the forming of an atom, neutrons to atoms. If mm. that makes sense, I don't know. There's not really um uh, a centralized place here, at least in Sydney, where you have um um uh, internationally minded filmmakers. Uh, independent filmmakers able to come together and kind of be in conversation and kind of um, support one of e- each other, you know, in that kind of mm. way. Outside of film festivals, but film festivals are limited, you know, it happens once a year for two weeks or it happens um, in different screenings, mm. but there's no kind of centralized place where you can kind of go and chat to other filmmakers and that sort of thing. Okay. I'm very much so interested in um, uh, trying to get a real, trying to form that atom I'm talking about, you know, trying to really actually have a core of people who really are trying to um, um, expand the, the the language of cinema here and try to grapple with what is cinema um, and that sort of stuff. That's right, yeah, yeah a, a bit more yeah, concerned with language and mm. form. I guess that's uh, a uniting kind of feature is like thinking about form yeah. rather than just story, story, yeah, story. Yeah. I mean, obviously stories as well. But cinema's else, story but is form, you know? Exactly, yeah. Not not kind of um, thinking about form and content as, um, y- you know, two different yeah, things. Yeah. But I always find it funny. I do it as well, but same. sometimes I'm sore. But I've always find it funny when people say the, it was visually great. and But, yeah, I didn't like But if the vi- if you like, I don't know, if the visuals are great, isn't the story great? Because they're one well, thing. Well, I think that people, yeah, I feel like it's it's an age-old kind of conversation. And even when you read, like, you know, 19th century philosophy true, and yeah. the, from Kant and Schopenhauer or whatnot, like, already they're talking about these issues, you know. But, well, like, I, I mean, probably from Greek. I mean, it's just this crazy um, kind of thing to make sense of is, like, what is art? Yes. What, what is... I mean, it's... It, it's it's really hard to talk about these things because as soon as you um, try and kind of define it, you sound uh, uh, too basic, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, because there's, I guess it's like mind body and whatever. Yes, like the, it's a the feeling. Are, it's a feeling, and um, but I think that yeah, I I mean I feel like formalist films often get accused of like oh it's just a pretty picture and mm. you know it wasn't about anything, but. Mm. Uh, that's yeah it's too simplistic to kind of talk about yes. works of art in that in that way mm. what um, do you um what do you draw from i well i'm actually I, I mean i love um all kinds of cinema i try to watch yeah i, I try some um, literary references in petrol too but i'm yeah i love i'm a big reader i worked in bookshops all through my 20s oh really um and any, i any any good ones I, I used to work at Brunswick Street Bookshop in mm. uh, in 
uh, Fitzroy in Melbourne, um, mm-hmm. and that's since got sold. Um, so it's kind of a different vibe, but it used to be this great, strange mm-hmm. spot that was quite dysfunctional, but just really charming, and right. it was quite a formative, um, actually, part of my life. That oh, really? in that bookshop, all the other staff members, we all became good friends and talked about books the whole time. Right, right, right. So that became like quite a big part of my life, and um, I, I, I think that I'm just as, if not more, probably influenced by literature. Also because I feel like, you know, if you're reading a lot um, and you can just really draw so guiltlessly because no one will ever know <laughs> that you yes. stole something from yes. a book. <laughs> yes, um, if, I agree. If you're a filmmaker. Um, and the, uh, 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 literature is just so much better written. Yeah, as, exactly. Uh, and, and just that, yeah, the... I mean, I think... I, I I write as well. I'm gonna have some short stories published actually this um, this winter. Oh, and where can we find those? They're very old. Uh, they're gonna be in heat. In um, heat. Okay. The Giramondo yeah, Journal. Yeah, yeah. I I hope it's okay that I'm announcing it. I I can make. Make sure. It just, I'm sure you'll find out if it's okay before this comes out. <laughs> and then we'll just shuffle things, information around. Yeah, but it's, it's such a great journal. And they're really old stories, actually. So you write that them. no one's ever... Uh, want, no one ever... Did you write them before or uh, during or after writing yeah. Petrol? Yeah, before. Write... I was there, like from... I looked at them up, but they were like from like 2015. So oh, wow. Wow, okay. Um, but it's... Uh, they were just... Bit of bit of fun, really. Right. How does your mind work? Do you work on multiple things at once, or are you kind of one thing at a time? I do probably have a few. I I I I think I am probably a tiny bit ADHD, but I just have to have something happening at all the time. So mm-hmm. if if I can't be working on a film, I feel like I'll take on like another little thing just just to kind of just to have something. Yes. Um, I think everyone is ADHD now. Isn't that I think it's a malaise of our time. I, I think it is. How I mean, everyone is. Uh, I mean, we've also we're very overstimulated these days too. Yeah, but right. I guess understanding of ADHD has gotten better. But to make it light <laughs> of it for a second, everyone is so ADHD these days. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, it's hard to kind of say it without sounding a bit offensive, right? No, um, I don't mind being a bit offensive. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Neither. Yeah. Um, speaking about being offensive, there was that uh, in the Q and A on Friday that comment about ugly Australia, oh, which yeah. is a great term. Where did you get that from? Australian ugliness. Australian it's ugliness. from um, Robin Boyd. Mm. Uh, he he wrote the book. Um, I haven't actually read the book. I keep meaning to. Uh, I've just read little bits and pieces of it, but it's. I think it was written in seventy something. Mm. Oh, late sixties even. Yeah. Uh, but I guess he was like the he was an architect and um, that kind of Australian intellectual generation right. of of the seventies. Um, and yeah, I guess talking about like the aesthetics of architecture and why um, things looked a certain way at that mm. point and. Um, I I've, I I mean I I'm not like too closely, not particularly engaged with that discourse. Yeah. Uh, but I. 
don't just think anyone is. I think we all, ex- we've all accepted. I quote the term uh, loosely because I guess it just captures, and you know, I didn't grow up here as well. And I, I, I think that when I grew up in St. Petersburg, which is, you know, an old European plant, yeah. like a lot it's of thought more was put, it's unified. I mean, the, obviously those big architectural projects of 17th, 18th century Europe, you know, problematic in mm. many ways. And it, it involved, you know, monarch yes. kind of making the calls. Yes, and, but it know, makes the, for a pretty picture. Exactly. And and so I remember like when we came here and driving down like Bondi Road or something on the first day, my mom was just like crying. She was <laughs> like, it's so ugly. <laughs> um, which is, you know, actually Bondi Road is like, on the prettier it's side. Pretty, <laughs> yeah, it's quite pretty. So, uh, yeah. But I think it's just, it, it's a different, it, it, it's a different yes. approach to architecture. I mean, I always felt that uh, the cities here are built on top of each other. Like uh, every, because it's not as unified, it's kind of every new generation of style change. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's kind of throwing in built. like a bunch Especially of ideas. Especially now more than ever. I mean, this may be, it might be just gentrification, but mm. where they, have a a heritage structure and then they build something next to it like right on top of it basically that's like a brand new i don't know mm. high rise or something but, they do but, that but, quite often. but the thing is that i guess the reason why i like talking about it in relation to the film i mel the film is filmed in melbourne mm. and it's quite a big part i think and also we filmed during covid and some 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 things were filmed during lockdown so it's mm. quite you see this kind of empty um uh, view of the city and yeah. that has a certain vibe but I actually as a filmmaker am excited I like I want to make films in Australia and I like the challenge because um, it's much more interesting to find ways to film yes. uh, places that aren't classically beautiful I right agree, like yes. I mean obviously those filmmakers in Paris had a field day, um, but <laughs> y- you know, even 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 with the French films, like it's interesting to see things on the outskirts, yeah, yeah, uh, that aren't pretty in in the old-fashioned way. And, yes. um I mean, like you said, those um, in Morocco, they they quite enjoyed seeing Melvin. Exactly. I mean, it would never be. Um, uh, a place of wonder for us, but to people who see the film, I always think that every film that is actually shot on location ends up being a time capsule for. Um, it is, yeah, and you're kind of creating the feeling. I, I mean, that's really exciting that you're participating to, you're participating in how, in in the kind of creation of the city in yes. a way because it's about how it's seen and yes. how it's captured, yeah, yeah, uh, as well. And I guess the those like cities like. Yeah, you know, LA or whatever. That sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the 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 really filmed and photographed places, mm. it becomes like part of the city in a way, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It, uh, it's like identity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that because there's still also because in Australia everyone films in the outback, and that's for good reasons. Yeah, um, quite pretty. You know, both because it's easier and it looks good, and because I guess there's a market for, you know those kinds of stories yeah you kind of really just have to put the camera down and then it it looks good it looks good (laughs) um yeah but yeah i think that the challenge of filming cities and you know that in friends and strangers is such a um great kind of yeah and but also yeah in the plains david steals the 
the plains, like yeah, they the see a lot of the yeah. cities. That's all. true. That's true. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that. Um, no. <laughs> no, sorry. I just I thought I had something to say. No, that's fine. Filmmaking, I, so it can be very tedious, of course. Um, in terms of there's the things you want to do, and then there's the little thing that you must do. Um, I personally hate doing ADR. I would rather um, shoot myself in the foot sometimes. Um, I'm curious about your grievances with um, uh filmmaking i mean there's so many different ways to make a movie which i guess what people don't really realize as filmmakers that there's like people get the idea that you must have this and that and do things this way to kind of shoot a film or, or you need this amount of things to make a film um you said you shot during covid so i'm kind of interested in what your sets looked like and that sort of thing i mean was it just uh was it just you and your cinematographer and the soundie or was it kind of just this tight-knit crew of rug rats yeah, I mean, we I have a fairly tight knit crew. It was double the size of the crew of Strange Colors on this project because we were funded. Um, that's another thing, I guess, is like talking about independent filmmaking is tricky, isn't it? Because it's, um, I guess, I, I'm always on like independent filmmaking panels because I, I'm seen that way. But actually, my film was like funded, yes. funded, and everyone got paid. And um, what does independent great. mean these days? Exactly. Well, I, I think that it's a difficult term to use in Australia because um, that term is like an American thing, yeah. you know, because it's like studios or yeah. independence. But then even a, but in Australia, it's not yeah. really relevant. Even a, a well-funded film here in Australia will have the budget of like an independent film in America, which is... Yeah, kind of exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, more like low budget, I think it's like... 1.2 mm. million in Australia. That's yeah, exactly, like the official yeah. kind of, probably a bit more. I think with petrol we had, like yeah, kind of under. Uh, it was under two million. Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't quite remember. But it was. Uh, we got like quite a bit extra COVID budget, as like oh, a lot yeah. of people did at the time, which was interesting. Was it in 2021 or or 2020? Yeah, we shot in 2021. So okay. it, like. Melbourne went into that really hectic lockdown. That like, was an interesting time period, wasn't it? Yeah, it really <laughs> was. Let's not talk about it, actually. Yeah. It's kind of, I'm so sick of talking about um, shooting during COVID. Uh, but um, I, I guess, um, yeah, we had a bigger, like bigger, more resources. Like we had a costume department, which, mm. you know, we didn't have. That's always good. We didn't have on strange colors. We had Lucy. Yeah. Lucy McMahon yeah. Yeah. was um, did costumes and hair and makeup on strange colors, and mm. she just sort of did everything. Um, and we on, also we had locations. So Lucy actually, uh, she was one of the two people who did the locations on petrol, and mm. we talked a lot about um, yeah that that it's such an amazing role, and Lucy was really good at it. Mm. And was quite inspired, I think, to be like, oh, I'm going to find interesting locations. I mean, we all, Michael, the cinematographer, and myself, like we also did a lot of location scouting. Mm. Um, 
And yeah, we were inspired by Edward Yang, actually, the oh, Taiwanese yeah, filmmaker, yeah. because of how uh, I showed his films to Lucy in pre-production. And she was really inspired by how in The Terror Rises in Taipei story, mm. you know, he films Taiwan and, uh, sorry, uh, he films Taipei in um, in the 80s and and how the city kind of becomes a character. And yeah. like, we talked a lot about that. Yeah. Um, and actually, a lot of Taiwanese filmmakers, the urban the, Yeah, I mean, that generation, they really um, were about showing Taipei, Taipei as it was then. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's that's just such a great, like, c city on yeah. screen at a particular time, isn't it? It is, yeah. What, what we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, we had more resources, uh, but it... Um, was still all the kind of key heads of department uh, were a lot of like my long-standing collaborators mm. um, like Leah Popple um, who is the production designer um, she I worked with her on shorts yes and um, she did strange colors and and petrol as well and she's just you know really remarkable mm. um, um, at what she does and um, Michael shot Strange Colors, uh, and uh, Lucy, yeah, a bunch of yeah, bunch of people, the same composers, um, Mikey and Raven. Um, so I, you know, it is really fantastic to cultivate um, those relationships. And talking about your question, I guess was about what is the the thing that I don't like. Um, I love, I actually, I love production. Like, I really look forward to that chaos. I, I, yes, that's I a good of, place to be. I, I, I really, um, it's what I live for is yeah. the chaos of production. Um, I mean, production is great, I think, because it's so immediate in a way. And everyone's in it together and you're just, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm a very neurotic person in pre and in developing, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I suffer. I've always heard But on production, I, I'm happy. Massive panics right before we were meant to like, before, oh, oh, yeah. like two days out. I'd be yeah, like, I, I, maybe let's not do it anymore. Yeah, exactly. In, whenever I have the time to think mm. about how like things that could go wrong or yeah, yeah. different decisions yeah. I can make, yeah. um, I'm I suffer. Yeah. But at, on set, it's like no, you have to you have to keep you know you have to yes. go. And, and I, I uh, like happy. you said, you've cultivated kind of a little crew family type uh, Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of. You know, these people you trust. I, I also, I think that I like high stakes. And I oh, think production yeah. is high stakes. And I like high risk, high stakes. Yeah. Where, you know, it's just like the, the crazy it is, the the better I feel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I never like it when people say, maybe one more just in case. Like one more for safety. No. I hate that. I hate safety. No yeah. safety for me. Thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But I, I think that I find casting actually the most challenging part um mm. because um it's so i think that's where you exercise so much responsibility mm. as a filmmaker because really um you know and also you're dealing with like these really sensitive um situations where people are making themselves really vulnerable going into an audition yes. um they you know they're giving so much of themselves and they they're kind of most of the or most people most actors are going to be rejected, you know, because yeah. so you can only cast one. So it's awful. It's like 
you know, it's like speed it's dating or something. It's a real power imbalance in it's casting. It's real power imbalance, and I really hate it. It's yeah. really uncomfortable, and, um, you know, I've been try- trying to think a lot about how, like... To get how, a, how to, to reform it, anyway. Yeah, like, it's better. It's great, you know, when, when filmmakers have, like, long-lasting careers and they can just kind of write for particular people they already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's just... I'm very fearful job. of casting myself. It's awful, um, because you know, you know, whatever, whatever you do, you're gonna disappoint someone. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really hate that feeling. But also, you have to because you, you know, if you cast wrong, the film really can. It suffers dramatically. It's just so important. It's like ninety percent of the film is already casting. I really believe that. Yeah, same. Um, I think Carl Dreyer actually said that. You know, the film is like the script and casting. Yeah. And then you're kind of away. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have to get those two things right, and that's kind of if if you don't get them right, I think you you can fail the project. Yeah. I also never feel like I've ever had enough time to do proper casting as well, uh, or really like, you know, I've, when you hear of directors who are well-established and have Six people... months. And yeah, 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 where they can really investigate place to place who could possibly fill this role. But I, I, I mean, I don't have that either. And I, I actually don't know if many people do. I mean, maybe mm. like Jane Campion can kind yeah, of take just, her just time. Yeah, just 1% of directors. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I was um, stressed out of my brains like because it was like we, you know, you, you get the project funded, mm. like you get signed off on the funding you already tell them when you're shooting and yeah, you have exactly. to and you have loans so you can't keep kind no. of delaying things so you box yourself in and casting directors they don't want to start casting before you get the film green lit because exactly, they'll yeah. it'll be a waste of time yeah um so i think i don't know as much as like gorilla like casting that you can do it's great if if people have the resources and the connections and um yeah just you never get the time that you need, I think. But then it's also refreshing when, you know, you kind of understand that you have to trust fate and it, you know, the right people do pop up. Mm. And it's it's quite inspiring to see, you know, yeah, that chance. It, it, I mean, it feels like a miracle. Like every time you find someone from casting yeah. who is perfect for the part and yeah. makes the film you know like i just feel so blessed and then you gotta I'm be so able to like communicate with them like on a personal level yeah exactly yeah. and and having made those connections with you know natalie and hannah um natalie morris and hannah lynch first of all who played the key parts mm. but then um you know everyone else like i'm so proud of the cast in this film i really yeah, think yeah. they make the film and not yet yeah, the, the the leads are extraordinary but everyone else. Got to say, best um, uh, uh, parent casting. Yes, Inga Romansova, the yeah. wonderful um, Russian actress who plays the mother. Yeah, and the and the, the grandmother as well. And the grandmother as well. Who that? Um, she's not an actor at all. Like yeah. we found her, Becky Voskoponik, mm. um, was yeah again found through kind of family connections and I got put in touch with her and I is so charismatic and she's you know she had an ambition to she had this uh kind of joke that she tells about how she wanted to be an actress Mm. or was told when she was like five years um old that she was told that she would um end up playing old lady mad old ladies or something (laughs) like that and she felt like she like fulfilled this 
sort of oh, destiny. Oh, that's so wonderful. And it was the first time she'd ever been involved in anything like that. And mm. she was just, yeah, she's so wonderful. She has such a wonderful presence. Yes. Um, yeah, and, you know, in the kind of Mies, Friends, mm. Bell, like they, a lot of those guys came through um, Friends in Melbourne or um, Bobby Downey, who plays Bell, mm. like came through an audition, but yeah. again was recommended through Friends. Right. Um, and you know, he's not a professional actor and mm. it's just wonderful. Um, so, yeah, there's a combination of non-professional actors as well and professional actors on this film. I know, but all felt right, I think. Mm. Yeah. All right, we'll ra- wrap this with one more. You happy with the film? I'm I'm happy with the film. I mean, it's a kind of a hard question because it's almost impossible to answer. Yeah, so it's um, not even a question really meant to be answered. No, because also... Yeah, you never finish a film. I think I said this in another radio interview last week. But and I really believe that you never finish a film. And it's like, are you happy with yourself? Mm. Yes, you're working on your next one, I imagine, already as well. I'm working in on some something way. slowly. Yes, it'll come eventually, I'm sure. But it'll come eventually. Yes, and um, I'll be looking forward to it too. Yeah, yeah. I um, it's I'm. I'm excited about this um, idea. It's a, a kind of tragic comic romance. Oh, brilliant! Set in an isolated I, town again, in I'm, Australia. I'm just really interested in how you continue to um, uh, uh, work your own language and kind of expand that going forward as well. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I hope I can keep giving. <laughs> I hope so too. Wonderful speaking with you. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.